Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. So God has one singular plan, right? God has one plan from beginning to end. He has a plan that begins with creation. It ends with a new creation. It starts with the first Adam and the end or the beginning of the new creation is uh, brought about by the last Adam, the better Adam. So this is the idea. We're looking at the entire narrative. Actually, uh, meta-narrative is, is the proper term for this. A meta-narrative, different than a narrative, a meta-narrative is a narrative that has uh, the ability to take the beginning and end of something and tell the entire story from a grand perspective, whereas a narrative may just be a story uh, within a greater story. So a meta-narrative is, is the overarching story. And this is God's uh, meta-narrative. This is the meta-narrative of the Bible, you might say. So this is the story, the all-encompassing story. It takes us from beginning to end. And we started this week looking at, first of all, an, an entry or an uh, introductory time into this entire mindset of of taking a step back and looking at all of, we might say just all of history, uh, looking at all of history through God's eyes in the sense that, or in the way that he has revealed them to us in the scriptures. Uh, As we talked about on Sunday, God has one plan. It is linear. It is singular. It is only plan A. It is never anything other than plan A. God only has one plan and he's seeing that plan through from beginning to end. And nothing is going to interrupt that plan. Nothing ever has interrupted that plan. Even sin and rebellion, even sin and rebellion on the cosmic level, or what you might say, the the angelic level. None of that is able to cause God's plan to fail. Okay. So overall, the story that we're telling or the way that we're telling the story is from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, but culminating in the redemption brought in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's, it's good for us to think about this uh, during the Christmas season, talking about the birth of the Savior, the birth of the Messiah. It's important because he is the culminating feature of all that God has been saying beforehand. And so as I talked about this morning, we have all these different pieces of the puzzle and whether your puzzle pieces are face up uh, or face down, you don't even know what's on the puzzle pieces, but you have the piece, but you, you have no idea how it makes sense to the whole. You don't, maybe you don't have the full picture uh, to line these things up with, but you're, you're not able to take these little pieces of the story that maybe you've heard along the way and, and fit them into the, the big picture. Uh, it, the Old Testament is not disjointed from the new. I know that's popular to think that way, at least popular in some circles, right? To say that the Old Testament um, 
is inconsequential uh, and that we don't need the Old Testament or in more deconstructionist circles to say that the God of the Old Testament is actually uh, different than the God of the New Testament in a sense. So what we're doing is we're saying, listen, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, it has the same author and that author is God himself, although he uses human agency to bring about the word of God. Uh, God is telling the same story from beginning to end. <clears throat> it's always the same story. Uh, and the way, though, that that story is communicated to us is different because it starts vague and then it narrows down and it gets more specific. And so some of the things that were shadow-like uh, substance, uh, substances now become more something tangible and real that we understand. Um, and th th that'll be explained more and more as we progress through these covenant head figures. I hope all of that made sense to you. It, it may possibly be one that you want to go back and, and watch because I just have to say that the material for, and I excuse me for having to keep clearing my throat, uh, but the the material or the concepts we might say that undergird this is really like an iceberg. It really is. Um, I I know that it seemed like a lot of condensed material going over this, but that that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the stuff you see. Uh, but there is so much at work underneath uh, to develop that and it's actually quite complicated but at the end of the day it's it's extremely simple uh we're seeing that god has one storyline and we're just trying to understand what that storyline is and how all these different parts of the story fit into this one singular plot line because that's what there really is there is one singular plot line <coughs> now um i'll just mention here for a moment there's uh, someone in the YouTube world who has kind of become famous. And uh, he is a young, young guy who um, believes he's on mission from God. And God has called him to live this particular type of life. And he goes and uh, preaches this gospel that has utterly changed his life. And, um, like I said, he's become very popular. A lot of people are, are kind of, um, intrigued by his story. I might say now what's unfortunate is that while he knows parts of the Bible is true, uh, he has absolutely, uh, no clue how all these pieces and parts of the Bible fit together in such a way as to point us to redemption in Jesus Christ. It's actually not even part of his message. It's very unfortunate. And I'm bringing this up to say that, um, we, I guess, let me just speak for myself. I went through a, a large period of time of understanding snippets of the Bible or of, of the storyline, but never knowing how these pieces tied together. Now you might say, well, I know all the Bible talks about Jesus points to Jesus somehow. And while that's somewhat true, that that's true. 
it's not as though every story is Jesus or is, is uncovering Jesus in a sense. Now things are always moving in progression toward him. That's, that's true. But, um, we're not in the business of looking for Jesus in every word and sentence. Um, that's not the point, but God's storyline is taking us to Jesus. That's true. So in, in particular, we looked at, um, Adam and Noah reason being Adam and Noah are the, uh, covenant head figures, representative figures for this, uh, first, covenant that God made. And as I touched on, I'll just, I'll restate it. Maybe, um, when you look at the Genesis narrative of Adam and Eve and creation, you're not going to find the language of covenant specifically. It's not going to say the word covenant. Uh, it does in the Noah narrative. That's true, but it doesn't in the Adam and Eve and creation narrative. Uh, the word covenant doesn't exist. Now, why is it important? Why did I stress that? And why am I even talking about it now? Because it's fundamental to see that God enters into relationship with his creation, specifically with humanity as the representative head of all creation, that God enters into covenant agreement with creation from the beginning. And so because God did that, he's going to see his relationship through because uh, our God is a good God who keeps his promises and maintains relationships. And this is, this is how he operates. Um, so when the situation with Noah comes into play, it's not as if God never had a relationship with humanity at all. That's not true. God already had a relationship with humanity. Um, but the, the covenant with Noah is an upholding of his covenant that he had previously. And so I'll just say again, um, that is specifically evident in the actual wording given for this um, covenant. Now, in the English, it's a little different. It's harder to distinguish because in, in our English Bibles, it'll say, uh, and God established his covenant or behold, I establish my covenant with you, which is exactly what it says. Genesis nine, verse nine and 11. Um, I establish my covenant with you, but established to us. That's, that's what it says in English, but <clears throat> in all the other circumstances that we find this being used again, it's a different Hebrew phrasing. It is not Karat barith, it is Hakim barith, which means an upholding or a confirmation of a previous existing covenant. Uh, God is showing himself to be faithful to his covenant, and that's the point. And so Adam and Noah necessarily are linked together in this idea. And so I wanted to just read for you, this is Genesis 9, and I read the beginning of this in the sermon, but... I'd like to read through it. It says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. The fear of you, the dread of you, shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all fish of the sea. In your hand they are delivered. Uh, every morning that lives shall... Uh, excuse me. Not every morning. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I give you the green plants, I give you now everything. But you shall not eat 
flesh with its life, that is its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning of the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by his own blood shall it be shed. For God made man his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth. Multiply in it. And God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds and the livestock, the beasts of the earth, as many came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Okay, so the, I, I, I think that the whole overarching idea is found right here in, in reading this passage, uh, the be fruitful, multiply the fear of you, dread of you. All of this, um, is, is certainly, uh, speaking to Adam or as Noah, as the new Adam figure in this situation. And so, uh, to be fruitful and multiply is in a sense, a restart of creation. That's what was told to Adam and Eve. And now it's being told to Noah. And instead of uh, giving just the plants for food, now they are given animals for food. Remember, because fundamentally things are different on creation, on in, in the creation. They are told to be fruitful, multiply, and increase. And it's uh, stated again in verse 6 that God made man in his own image. And remember, there are two real, real components to that. And one is about sonship. And the other is about rulership. And so part of this is about multiplying, right? And then the other part about this is ruling. And so you're multiplying and you're ruling. And this is what God has given to humanity. And so he said, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every thing that moves on the earth, all moving things. And God, it's, it's different, to see that God has been in the business of establishing a covenant with a covenant head and then subsequent generations. This is what God is doing. And he's doing it with humanity. He's doing it with all creation. He's doing it with all living things. And although the covenant with Israel is what's most prominent on our minds, it is what's called the old covenant in the new Testament. Uh, is that Israel or is that covenant with Israel and Moses, but uh, God was creating covenants that preceded that. And we have to view the covenant with Israel in terms of the covenants that had come before it. So we had a covenant with creation. We in Adam and Noah as the representative heads of this covenant. And then we're going to have a covenant with Abraham. And then we're going to move into this other covenant uh, through Moses to Israel and then David. And so we need to see the relationship of the covenants to one again, to, to one another. So the covenant with Israel is not a standalone covenant as if no covenants with these people had, had ever been made. Another uh, very important point that I, I want to make here as we're, we need to bring this to a close here already, but another important point I just want to talk about and, and, and consider and think about with this whole thing is the universal scope of God's promises and covenants to the people. It is universal from the beginning. 
right? It is not about a people of a particular bloodline, right? It is universal with you and your descendants after you. Who is that? He's talking to Noah. So that's everybody. That's all of us, right? We all descended from Noah's family. So uh, God has made a covenant with all the peoples of all the earth. Now he's going to use Israel to do something specific, and he's going to bring the Messiah through Israel. But we have to back up and say the covenant with Israel was not a standalone idea, but there were covenants that God had already made leading up to that covenant. And it is universal in scope. And we are just fortunate to be able to uh, think about these things and consider all that God is doing with this great overarching meta narrative of scripture. And so I hope that you're um, taking these things in and that you're able to see with uh, maybe a more full picture of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ and all that he will do for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renewed Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.